Are you a fan of one of the three high schools in the town of Fort Mill? Well, you've come to the right place to catch up on all the information surrounding your favorite team. We're just three old dudes who love high school athletics and love the town of Fort Mill. Call us, the Mouthy Milltowners. And welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Mouthy Milltowners. Very special edition. I know I say that a lot, but this time it really is. The very first person we interviewed for this podcast is sitting to our right, the beloved athletic director of the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets, Coach Dwayne Hartso, ladies and gentlemen. Big round yes, of applause. Indeed. Thank you, guys. <laughs> he came back. Now, the last time we talked to you, Coach, it was just you and I in your office, and it was sort of a laid-back environment. Now there's three on one. Do you feel that kind of pressure coming well, from this, this side of the This ain't the WWE. <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> Three on one. It is a little intimidating, but I, I think I'm up to it. Well, uh, I tell you what can be intimidating is a lot of the sports that are going on on campus right now at Fort Mill High School. There's a lot of uh, donkey stomping going on, especially in girls golf and the pool and things like that. Sports really, really good so far in the fall for Fort Mill. Uh, that's got to put a smile on your face. Yeah, we're, we're having a very good fall. Uh, you know, very, very successful teams. Uh, our overall athletic program is really pretty good here at Fort Mill High School, as it is in all three of our high schools in our town. But uh, very excited about, you know, where we're at this this fall. Looking forward to some, uh, you know, teams competing in the state playoffs and hopefully having a chance to win some state championships. Now, the 19 sports on campus last year, correct me if I'm wrong, was it 17 of the 19 went to the postseason? It pretty was a gaudy number. Pretty sure it was 18 out 18 of 19. 18 out of 19. That, that, that's pretty strong. Now, there are 30 state championships in Fort Mill High School history. 31 if you include the Champions Cup of, of 07, 06, 07. You've been the athletic director since 2011. Is that correct? That's correct. So, by my count, 10 of the 30 or 31 have been won under your watch since 2011. If you look up the banners and you count them up um, – He's running so, out of fingers. So, yeah, he's running out of fingers. So basically a third of the banners that hang in the hive were under your watch. Now, that's got to give you a lot of pride, of course, but what's the secret sauce behind finding the right coaches to put them in the right positions in order to hang those banners? Well, I, th I think it goes back to coaching and, and also just the kids that we have here at our school and, and the uh, parents that we have. I mean, parents really support athletics. Uh, the administration here supports athletics. Um, we do a really good job. We do have good coaches, and uh, I just like the way our kids really, you know, we have a great culture here at, our, at Fort Mill High School. It's been that way since I got here uh, 13 years ago. Um, it's not really anything that I've done other than just make sure the officials are here in two teams so that we can compete every every week. Well, that's not really true. I mean, you you got to handle buses and phone calls and other athletic directors asking questions. Then you have us media boneheads asking for sit-down interviews like this one here. So a lot of a lot of moving parts. Now, one thing I've noticed over the years is I don't think there's anybody on campus that gets here before you, and usually no one's here when you leave. Yeah, that that's some really really long days. But where I'm going with that is it takes a lot of commitment to be an athletic director of a 5A school. It does. I mean, there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of sports. You know, we have. Last year, over 950 athletes. Uh, there's a lot of managing that takes place. You know, and when I got this job, somebody said AD. That means all day and all night, and <laughs> that's pretty much true. I mean, you do. There's a lot of time to it, but it's a very rewarding job to, to see 
to be able to hang banners in the gym, see kids uh, have success, and be able to put medals around their neck as state champions or state runner-ups. More than that is to see them grow as young people. And, you know, our goal here is, is as coaches, what I want all our coaches to do is produce better husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, moms, and dads one day. And, and I think our coaches do a good job with that. Now, we talked about the state championships, something that not a lot of people might know. And you touched on it there, state runner-up. There's been a ton of those over the last seven, eight, nine years. It's not just state championships, but it's upper state championships. So Fort Mill really decorated in athletics for basically, I think the first athletic event was 1921, give or take, around there. So if you think about it, 101 year, 102 years of athletics, a lot of success here lately. Um, do you think a lot of people moving into the district and, and that sort of thing has sort of helped that or has it just been a, a maturation process of, of building the culture at Fort Mill to get it to a championship level that, that started, might have started with Coach Jackson before you and before him as well? Yeah, I think it goes back quite a ways. Uh, you know, even, you know, I think this, Fort Mill's always been rich in athletic tradition. Uh, just, got, you know, it just used to be at a smaller level when they used to be 2A, 3A. Uh, we have grown. That's why we have three high schools here in this town now. Um, you know, and the number of athletes that we have at the three high schools, I think it would be amazing to think back what it would be like if we still only had one high school and how good it would be here right now. But we do have three that are very competitive. Win state, we've won state championships at all three high schools uh, since they've been open. Um, but, I, you know, I just think it's a, it's a it, we do have a lot of people that have moved in here, but I think it's a good mix of people moving in plus the people that have lived here their entire life. And it gives a good uh, – we just have – you know, we have good coaches, and we – I think our community supports athletics, and it breeds more athletes, and people want to come here and play. As Fort Mill's gotten bigger, how has your job changed from day one way back when to now? Uh, I guess the big difference is, you know, um, of course, we've added sports, added more sports. We have more athletes now. Uh, with more athletes, there becomes more parents you have to deal with. With uh, more athletes, there becomes more paperwork you have to deal with. Um, but it's you know it's just it just really just a growing growing from uh, year to year. And you know I think every year I've been here, we've um, our number of athletes has increased. Even when we opened up Catawba Ridge I don't, I, last year, I think we had like I said over 950 athletes participate in athletics here. That was the most that we'd have, but the least in the 13 years I think I've been here is the least we ever had was like 875, and that was 13 years ago. Now you've had to like add assistant ads unofficially and stuff like that. How's that helped you? Obviously, it's probably taking some workload off you, but how's that helped? And how do you feel like that's helped the athletic program in general? It has uh, the the district on you know look is looking out for us they realized the growth of our athletic programs and that we needed some help as ad's uh they, get, they did provide us an assisted ad I actually now have a, a part-time secretary she's been with me for a while uh, miss woodson and then you know the assisted ad's what it does it allows better coverage at events that we didn't have where i was just one person trying to cover in the spring we may have events going on at three venues baseball softball and in the stadium and it was just impossible for one person to be at all three of those events so that's the big thing that has allowed us to do and it's also allowed me to delegate some stuff um you know heather clip is one of our assisted ad's and she does a fantastic job with the social media 
aspect of it as being an old guy like I am. I'm not real up to up on all that stuff. So she uh, does all the uh, social media type things and then we have two other, you know we split our ad supplement between three people and the other two coach mcneely and coach libel really come into play more in the winter and the spring and helping me cover events there's a rumor that there'll be a fourth high school how, how do you think that's going to affect the athletic departments of all three of the high schools now if there is a fourth high school just like you know when the other two high schools open i came here in 2000 and 11 I think is what JT said and I think it's about right um, you know I think Nation Ford had been open for maybe four years three or four years when I came here and we were just getting Fort Mill was just getting over that hump it's a setback you know it's a setback when you open up a new high school because then you're taking you're dividing athletes between another school um, but what it does do and which is a positive it gives more kids the opportunity to participate in athletics when you you know when you do when you do have that happen uh, we have kids now that are participating in athletics that I don't think you know if we had one single high school or even two high schools they wouldn't be a part of it they wouldn't you know they just wouldn't be there so I I think it does provide that opportunity and uh, you know I hate I know growth is sometimes good and it can be bad um, I like where we are now so I would I, I don't know I don't, I don't know how to stop the growth but we're such a small geographic area to have so many people in it it's really it's really tough I mean this literally. We're, the town's running out of land. Yeah. I mean, you go down Dobie's Bridge Road. Eventually, you're going to hit the the Sugar Creek. Right. That's Lancaster, Lancaster County. County. Yep. So, literally running out of land. That that might be what what puts a stop to it. We'll see. Yeah. But you've talked about subtraction with another school opening up. But let's talk about addition. You added a 20th sport this year: boys volleyball. Uh, pull back the curtain a little bit and let the folks know what's it like to have to get one sport off the ground after the South Carolina High School League says, yeah, it's approved. You have to go through interest meetings and all that stuff. Kind of let the folks know what all goes behind the scenes to get that started. Well, first, for, you know, first of all, like you said, we had to have an interest meeting to make sure we had kids that were interested and we were going to have enough to wanted to participate in the sport, which we had an abundance of it here. We had, you know, 46 kids come to the first interest meeting. Uh, then you have to go to the district and ask, you know, if they will provide that s a stipend for a coach, and you have to ask for their permission to add it. Which, like I said, our district is really good at supporting athletics. They were all about it. Thought, you know, let us, me and Rick and Dave over at Nation Ford, uh, if we thought it was something that we could support and had the kids that wanted to do it, and they were all for it, or, uh, gave us the supplements to do it. And then, you know, it's just coming back to your principal and letting them know. And it was just a matter of then. Um, Hiring a coach, had to hire a coach, and then once you got that coach hired, you know, then it comes hiring, getting the equipment, the uniforms, the schedule, um, practice schedule. I mean, when you add a, another sport, it does create some problems, um, more so here than at some other schools when we have limited space. But, you know, we worked it out to make it happen because we want our kids to have that opportunity. You know, we're... Um, we have some some teams that are pricing at seven o'clock at night. We have some teams that price at six in the morning, just to get kids here and give them gym space. To let that happen. When folks come to the hive, they see basically a hundred acres of just sprawling stuff. But you touched on something there that I think is really important to point out, which is you go to a lot of schools. They have three gyms, and Fort Mill really has two. Really, when you get down to it, you have the wrestling room that. That, that cheer and dance and wrestling share. Then you have the main gym and the ox gym. And 
for example, this Thursday night, you've got the girls' volleyball team playing and the boys' volleyball team playing at the exact same time. So you've got to get officials in here. You've got to get people to work the, the scores table, all that stuff, and have two events going side by side. But from a practice standpoint, especially with basketball practicing boys and girls, you got two volleyball teams going. you got cheer that's going on. That has to be a logistical nightmare. It is, and that, you know, that's, that's, I think that's another reason the district gave us an assisted AD position. It does, uh, there is there's a lot of um, moving parts that you have to get going to make it all happen and, and, and feel like you're being fair to everyone that's involved. Um, you know, we do have, you know, you said we have two girls volleyball teams, a boys volleyball team, and I do think going forward we will add a JV vo- boys volleyball going forward. We've had such an interest in it. And I think across the state you'll see most teams, some teams already have that. And I think we'll add that going forward next year. But, again, that's another team that needs to practice. And as you said, John, we do have um, the high school league has opened up the month of September for winter sports. Therefore, you really got five basketball teams that are also looking for space to practice while you also have right now three volleyball teams, two cheer teams, two wrestling teams. It is tough. Uh, Sometimes I don't think people on the outside looking in understand just how big athletics and what a big, you know, what it's almost like a production putting things together so that they can practice, have time for them to practice, you know. And uh, if we want to put a quality product on the floor, you got to provide them a time to practice so that they can get better. Um, I think we've done a good job with that and with our coaches uh, helping each other out and, and working with each other to provide practice times. Now, is that something you schedule as part of your job, or like you got to schedule one of the 6 a.m. practices versus one of the 7 p.m., or is that just you let your coaches work it out amongst themselves? I try to provide practice times for after-school hours. Some of them may not want that late time slot in the evening, so they will choose to go before school. So that they, they normally make that choice if they're going to go prior to school, but I provide the practice times that are happening after school. Is there any chance of – I know initially – this being the older high school in, in the district, when the high school expanded and moved into the old Riverview Elementary, they kind of considered that gym up there the third gym. And technically, it's it's an elementary school gym. So size-wise, it's not going to be equivalent to a high school gym. Is there any chance of a third actual high school-sized gym coming into? Or do you know, or is there any... That's something we've been, we have been pushing for, you know, um, talked to several board members, and I think they're supportive of it. Um, I think they see the need of it. We, you know, we, we are the biggest high school in the district. We have the most student athletes in the district, but we have the least amount of athletic space when it comes to gym space um, and the least amount of space for storage. Uh, we just don't have a lot of it. I mean, it's a building that was built in 1986, I think, opened in 86 or 87. And when you talk about that third gym being up in the old Riverview Elementary, it is, is you know, the, the ceilings are low. You can't really, you can't do volleyball in there. The ceilings right. are too low. Uh, it's a 72-foot court. You know, it's built for a PE gym. Uh, they did look at it as being our third gym, I guess, when, this, when, when, when the other school was built. And 
pretty much what they've done. We've turned it ROTC. That's the ROTC gym is what they use it for. Now, we could use it if we needed to, but, again, it's just not, you know, it's way. It's, right. it's an elementary school yeah, gym. Yeah, and it's a mile away, <laughs> yeah. give or take, not quite a mile, but it's it's quite a ways up the hill for athletes to go up there and try to practice, and, and it's just uh, it doesn't really fit any of our sports that you can hold a, a good good practice in. In order to add on to the school, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that where the district has to appeal for a referendum because the state provides funding basically from the walls in, so to speak, where the district has to come in and say, well, we're going to allocate X amount of dollars to build this project over here. Is that an accurate assessment of, of where it stands at the moment? Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to handle all that. That would be a question for the higher ups than me. I just know I, um, I do know that there's some, you know, when they when they're going to build a new school, they sometimes ask for a bond, um, that type of thing. I don't I don't know if this is something that would have to go on there when it comes to a third gym that they would have to put on a new bond referendum and you know go go forward with that. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but I do know they know they see the need for us to have more gym space at Fulmer High School. One thing that's happened since COVID, actually, is the Fort Mill Athletic Booster Club. There seems to be more and more and more participation in that, not just at, with, with parents, but with students as well. And you see all these folks come in and, and help on a Friday night and let football Friday night try to be as special as it possibly can be for the fans. How big of a role does the ABC uh, play with athletics, I mean, you're talking about a student population is what 2,300, give or take. 2,100, 2,200. Yeah, so basically, 40 percent of your student body is playing sports. So where does the ABC fall in that equation? You know, at our school, at Fulmer High School, I'll say that our our athletic booster club is phenomenal. They, you know, since I've been here, thir this is my 13th year. They have been, you know, some of the reason that we our athlete athletes have some of the things they have is due to a lot of what our athletic booster club provides for them they do a great job of fundraising they do a great job of being support uh working concessions and they have you know they've done a really good job of getting more people involved and going out and getting people willing to work and when you talk about students we have uh opened you know we've opened up and we use a lot of our um, beta club members to get their service hours. We use some other classes that require service hours. We use them. We open it up for them to help us with ball games so that they can get those service hours. And but our booster club takes care of handling all of that. And, and you know, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think there are about 27 sponsors, uh, Fort Mill Athletics, somewhere in that area. That's a lot of knocking on doors and phone calls and getting people on board to make a pledge and then getting that money in it takes a small a village basically yeah. to make that all go um in your estimation how many people were working behind the scenes to make all that happen for these student athletes give or take our booster club you know since i've been here it seems like there's always been a nucleus of five to six that head up all the all the activities but then they you know this year and the last well, i said the last three years They've done a really good job of recruiting more people. I would say we have anywhere from 20 to 25 that are really sort of pushing our booster club right now and getting it going in the right direction. Now, they go out and get more volunteers to help them, but there's 20 to 25 that are really doing most of the work right now. We'll give some love to those folks. I think Scott Phillips is the, uh, is he the president. He's our booster club president. 
and then uh, Robert Spears is our past president. Yeah, and just uh, Austin who heads up the concessions. Austin Spears runs our concessions. Uh, Renee Potet is our vice president. Uh, you know, if I if I start naming people, I'm sure I'm gonna leave somebody out. But <laughs> they're you know they uh they really do a great job. Um, yeah, they do. You know, Robert Spears was the president the last two years and was phenomenal. Did a great job of uh helping us raise some funds and you know and um you know, it, some people thought he was on on staff here as much as he was at our school as much work that he pr provided for us and he still does he just uh sort of pushed it on to scott now and scott's doing a really good job as our booster club president it's, it's funny you say that about robert i've been asked that question you work here um but i'll say this in reference to the beta club there was a young lady that helped out at a boys volleyball game uh two weeks ago i believe had never been to a volleyball match in her entire life. She was there to get her hours for Beta Club. By the time that match was over, she said, unprovoked by the way, that she had so much fun, she was she couldn't wait to come back and do it again. She didn't realize the amount of excitement that goes on in a volleyball match. And I think that's the hidden gem, really, of you don't have to be a fan of these sports to have a good time. No, I agree with that. I mean, you can, you know, our... Our student sections here at our school are amazing. Um, football games, basketball games, volleyball games. Um, we have students that come out, and you know I can I can tell that by the number of uh, student sports passes that we sell every year. Uh, you know that they're going to come, they're going to be there because they, uh, you know, I can I see with the number that we sell. And then you come to our games. I mean, win or lose, we have you know great student sections. They look forward to it. This upcoming week is Spirit Week. It will be crazy here at Fort Mill High School. Um, you know, they, they love that week, and I, I think it, that all helps with the culture that we have here at Fort Mill High School that was here way before I got here, and I'm sure it'll be here way after I'm gone. They just love uh, They just love it. So, yeah, I think you have Powder Puff on Tuesday night. Uh, big Man on campus is Wednesday night. I don't even know what that competition means, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not sure really either. Sure. And I and think then, they've added a new one this year. Tomorrow, I think tomorrow we're having a kickball. Kickball. Kickball tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. That that should, <laughs> that should, that be, should interesting. be interesting. <laughs> so basically what I'm hearing from you is, is become come Friday afternoon about 4 o'clock, you and Mr. Beam and Ms. Borland and Ms. Y'all are going to be just spent. Yes, and then, and then we have a football game Friday night. Yeah, so really after Friday the football night, game yeah. on Friday night is when it will – It'll be time to relax a little bit. And, and that leads me to my last question, uh, which is Friday night's homecoming. How many former Yellow Jackets do you see for homecoming, whether they be former band members, former football players, or just former athletes all the way around? You know, as far as on a Friday night, I, I have some – I have, you know, I have so much stuff going on. I'm running around that I don't really get to see a lot of those folks, but I do know that we have, you know – several calls throughout the year want to know when homecoming when the homecoming game is um you know when it's scheduled and they'll I mean, they they do buy up tickets a lot of them will come back for that so i do know that we have a lot of alumni that do come back that night i just don't i mean i may see a few but i don't see a bunch as far as on a friday night anyway as sports has been added and things like that over the years it seems like and this goes for teachers and, and especially ADs and stuff. You guys used to have a summer where you can actually take off. When I mean, when do you, when things wind down and there's graduation, when do you have to start, if not beforehand, planning for the next school year sports-wise 
fall sports, winter sports, et cetera. You really start planning like as soon as uh, winter, I mean, fall sports are over, football ends this year. Uh, we'll go ahead and start planning for next year, especially next year's a big year. It's a realignment year. Uh, we'll have to wait and see exactly where our, where we fall in our region. But you you know, you go ahead and start scheduling. That's important to go ahead and get your schedule fixed. Um, in fact, we've already started working on some of that, uh, lining up opponents for the next two years. You know, with some with some um, with some teams in the area and some outside the area. But we do that, hope, and, and still not knowing exactly what the realignment's going to look like. It could make it move around. You know, if we go 16 regions like we have now, I think we'll pretty much have our schedule set. But if they go, you know, if the high school league does something different and goes 18 regions, you know, we would have to do some moving some things around and maybe have to drop a few opponents to pick up our region opponents. So we, And we do the same thing with our uh, other sports. And, you know, like right now, this time of year is an AD – I'm getting schedules into Arbiter for spring sports. They've already been done for winter sports, and so now we're starting to work on spring sports schedules, already starting to schedule buses, that type of stuff for the spring sports. And so really, uh, after spring sports finish up, then you start worrying about the logistics of the fall sports as far as uh, the practice schedule, setting up the practice schedule for the fall sports. So it just sort of it just comes in cycles. And, you know, as soon as um, – like right now, we're right when school started, we worked out our winter sports schedule with the five basketball teams and the two wrestling teams that we have. And you know, and with the gyms, the gym space that we have, that in, in the winter time, you don't. You also have to worry about games. You have games, scheduling of games, making sure that you don't have a wrestling match scheduled on the night of a basketball. And you know, because you have a ninth grade J, two JV teams, two varsity basketball teams, you have a. Um, a varsity wrestling, a JV wrestling, and we also run our middle school wrestling program through our high schools right now. So really you have three wrestling teams that you're working with during that time. Um, but it's just a continuous thing. You know, after doing it now for a while, it just I just sort of know what needs to be mm -hmm. done, and mm -hmm. we just keep getting it. So is it, speaking of 18 regions, is that a possibility in the future as, you know, because 5A's only has got so many – teams in it is there a possibility of, of having 18 regions uh, something the high school league's looking at i think it is a possibility i think it um I, I think they'll try to keep it at six but you know last year that was one of the when last some realignment that was one of the main things we wanted to focus on was having 16 regions but not every 5a region has six teams now so um you know we'll we'll see what they do with that you know and there's a i'm not quite sure the exact numbers but 5a I think it's written in there can fluctuate between the top 40 and 48 schools in the state, and they base and then however that breaks down is to they determine based on geographics and logistics right. of um, having regions. Then they determine whether it's going to be 42 in 5A, 44 in 5A, could be 48 in 5A. You know, Especially ideally if you, if you had eight, if you had 48 teams in 5A. Do the math. Do the yeah. math. Yeah. Yeah, Six know. times eight. And, and yeah. then you have the equation of, for example, my alma mater, you have a Riverside that was 5A that fell to 4. Right. Northwestern and Rock Hill went from 5 to 4. So you're not really sure are they going right. to move back to 5A. Right. And, and then, so from my understanding, a, a school can be assigned a level, but they can appeal it. So it's still not basically in stone until January, roughly. It yeah. should be roughly January. 
when it's set in stone what right. it's going to be. Obviously, I'm I'm not going to ask you to, to reveal any information, but does the league give y'all any kind of headway as to a little bit? Here's what we're talking about. Here's what we're thinking about. Here's what we're looking at possibilities. So you have an idea from a, a standpoint of scheduling and buses and that sort of thing. For example, like right now, Spring Valley and Blythewood are in Region Three Five A. So if they were to drop out, and then before them it was Boiling Springs and and Gaffney not exactly easy trips either way where i'm going with that is is do they give you kind of any headway headwinds as to here's what we're thinking about anything like that i mean you can sort of look at the numbers you can you can get the you know the the numbers and you can sort of break it down yourself which i can look at the 90-day numbers in schools what they have to report to the state department of education see where the enrollment is you can sort of you know you look down the numbers and see where we're at but where you're running, you just don't know whether they're going to say 40, 42, 44, 46, or 48. But you can sort of tell who they're going to be the top, has the possibility of being 5A schools and who's going to be 4A. And like I said, they do have that. If you're the, I don't know, there's a number in there where you can appeal to be up or appeal to be down. You have to have someone, if you want to go down, you got to have somebody that, wants, that will take your place to go up. Um, so, yeah, they don't really tell us that, but I think – I think most people sort of do their own investigating and sort of have an idea of what it's going to look like. You know, we we as ADs in this area talk a lot, and we sort of try to figure that out between us two as we're scheduling and trying to figure out where we're going to fall, you know, where our schools are going to fall. And I think it's, I mean, it's pretty cut and dry, I think, where our three schools will be going into this realignment. I feel, I mean, I feel like us and Nation Forward will stay where we're at, and I think Catawba Ridge is probably one realignment away from going up. And, and each realignment is basically two years? Every two years. Okay. So uh, and you brought up the, a number. So does anybody really know what the number is that the league's looking at, or is it not really a, a set-in-stone hard number? It's, okay, it depends upon the situation the school is in, that sort of thing? Yeah, you mean as far as enrollment? Or, right, yeah, so whether that, they're 4A or 5A? No, I don't, I don't think there's a set number. They're just going to base it on the numbers that they receive on, you know, the top 40, 48, and then they're going to look at, they're going to look at what, what fits best w within regions when they decide well, what, what that final number is going to be. And they have a committee that's put together to do that. Uh, you know, we're all members of the high school league, and we took a vote as members of the league to allow the high school league to handle realignment. So we put that okay. on them to do it. Right. So it's not like the high school league says, hey, we're handling realignment. Y'all going to do whatever we choose, what you're going to do. We as members last spring voted to allow that, and we do that every two years. To We vote as members to allow the high school league to handle realignment. Looking down the road a little bit, and we've talked about this on this podcast, actually. If you look four or five years down the road, you can kind of see Region 3, 5A basically being – Clover, Fort Mill, NAFO, Catawba Ridge, Indian Land, Rock Hill. Basically, where I'm going with it is basically the longest trip to the west would be Clover and the longest trip to the east would be Indian Land. From an athletic director standpoint, from travel costs and a number of miles and time, that's got to be a positive because I, th I think the last thing you all want to do is pull youngins out of fourth block so they can get on a bus and go to Greenville County or, or Richland County or whatnot. Can you kind of see that reading the tea leaves down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, within, within our tri-county area here, we could, you know, very easily have our region 
definitely said, you know, I definitely think Indian Land is a school on the move up, possibly this realignment. Uh, if not this realignment, I think they will definitely move up the next realignment as well. Um, you know, Northwestern's very on the borderline there, being 4A, 5A. Um, yeah, and, and, and as an athletic director, it would be great if you had 20, 25-mile radius where all your region games are going to be going on and, you know, makes it easier on buses, as you said. It uh, makes it better on gates. You bring in more people. You make more money. And, therefore, you make more money. You're able to provide more for your athletes. Right. It, it's all a big circle. Yeah. And, and I don't want folks to think that, that I'm hating on people or we're hating on people. We're, we're not hating on anybody from Greenville County originally. Because if you ask them, they That's, don't want to come exactly. here no more than we don't want to go right. there. So I, for, for, I've talked to people at Blythewood and Spring Valley. They'd rather stay right there in yeah. the Midlands. And I it mean, makes sense for them, them, too. I mean, they have yeah. a ton of schools right there that they could stay there and play. Um, you know, you really run into problems when you have teams like a Sumter or uh, um, the Florence schools, you know, they're, they're sort of out there by themselves. And that's, you know, and, you know, there's there's a lot of changes in the high school league, a lot of things going on in the high school league right now that could, you know, create a lot of changes in that with the with the charter schools that we have. And they're talking about adding multipliers where these charter schools guys should be playing up classifications. Where therefore, if they put them up a classification, they got to have a region to go into as well. Okay. So you don't really know where those are going to be placed um, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. A lot of, a lot of lawmakers involved in that. A lot of stuff going on with how charter oh, schools great. are going to be handled. Politics is involved. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. So it's going nowhere fast, is what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. That's too, so. So by the way, just so folks understand, when you say charter schools, I assume you're talking about a great collegiate, Legion, collegiate, right. Oceanside, Oceanside. Yes. You know, those are public charter schools that receive public funding. Okay. So they have to be treated like a public high school. And right, and just for the record, they currently play in two A. Yes. Okay, so there, there's scuttlebutt basically that they could be moved to three to four, maybe even five. I've heard five A in a yes. lot of places. Yes, yeah. it could happen. I mean, you know, and uh, if I was a two A high school, I would definitely be upset. I mean, you think about a school that has 500 students and they choose their 500 students, so therefore they probably have 500 athletes. Playing against a school that only has that has a total enrollment of 500, where they may only have 75 to 100 athletes, it's really not fair. Well, it, <laughs> and again, not picking on anybody, this is just an example that just happened this past spring. You had Oceanside Collegiate play Andrew Jackson for the 2A baseball championship, and there was some some friction there. But what you're saying is holds a lot of water because if you talk to people from AJ. They're like, hey, we, we don't get to choose who comes here. The districts are drawn. If they're a volunteer, they're a volunteer, and we got what we got. Right. And and so basically if you want to talk about a level playing field, I think the league should do something to, to remedy that because um, it's just my humble opinion. I think that's really unfair to just dump all them into one 2A thing. you got to th – think broader than that right. really and i and i do think the league has attempted to do some things but again there's some lawmakers out there that put some things in place that don't doesn't allow the league to do what they thought was fair mm. uh, so you know do you ever see the lawmakers getting to a point where there's no necessarily high school league but it, it's taken over by i don't want to say lawmakers but State Department of it's Education. State, yeah, it falls under the State Department of Education. Do you see that? And eventually, 
the high school league as we know it kind of fading away, or do you think it'll always exist in some type of realm? Well, I think there's people out there that want that to happen. As as an AD that's been in education and coaching for 32 years now, I think it would be the worst thing ever for high school athletics if that happened. Um, I hope it doesn't go that direction, but you know, I think the same thing's happening in North Carolina right now, where North Carolina's talking about, you know, getting rid of their North Carolina High School League Association and letting it go to their Board of Education. Um, and there's talk of that in South Carolina. There's actually, I, I don't, I don't know all the proper terms for all that law stuff that they do, but I think there's some, there's some. Uh, You're looking at us. We don't yeah, know it either. You took the wrong crew to ask that. I of. think there's some people out there that are pushing to have that done if they want to get rid of the high school league and you know let the Board of Education take it over. I, I just don't know how that would work. Of course, I've never seen it. But I don't. I think the high school league does a great job. I don't think the people understand that the high school league is there to enforce the rules that we, the schools, put in. Ask them to enforce. They didn't make up the rules. The members of the high school league made the rules. Their job is just to enforce the rules, and I think they do that as as good as they can. And um, you know, we get as you know, we get upset with the high school league. They don't do this. They don't do that. But I think they're doing exactly what we as members of the league have asked them to do. And then sometimes you, if you have, and you see this in college football specifically right now with, for example, targeting, you have a rule that's, here it is in writing, but sometimes the language can be interpreted by one coach to be this or another coach to be that. So there, so what you're saying is there is a process in place for the member uh, schools of the high school league to say, hey, we need to change the wording on this, make it more finite, basically more objective instead of yes. subjective, and, and basically take that off the plate so people aren't interpreting 15 different ways. Yes. That happens every spring when we go down for the principal AD conference. Uh, there is a way that if, you know, as a, it, it can be a group like the South Carolina Baseball Coaches Association can write how they want an amendment changed, um, the bylaws, how they want them changed. That goes before a committee. It's brought to the members of the high school league. We vote on it. So there is a way to make changes. And everything that's there now is there because it was voted to be that way by the members. Um, so, yeah, there is there is way to make changes, though. So, basically, so if someone has a beef, it's not necessarily with the high school league. It's, hey, this rule was put in place because an, an incident took place in order to make this rule develop so there's there's basically there's reason behind why certain rules are in place yes there is and you know in some of the in the way things have just changed in high school athletics i think sometimes um the rules that we have in place doesn't fit every situation now mm. um and again that comes into play with like a charter school or a school of choice when it comes to like um you know, where a kid can choose where they want to go to school, and but yet we have rules in place as to uh, where they must live in order to be eligible at your school. But yet when you have school of choice, you have schools that may be a 3A high school. There may be three 3A high schools in that district, and they have a choice to go wherever they choose. So do you, should it be the... Um, classification based on the enrollment of all three of the high schools because really they have that choice wow so i mean you know you're talking maybe three high schools it could be 2500 students 
So should they be listed as a 5A high, 5A high school versus a 3A high school? Those are all things that have come up that I don't. I think the high school league and us as members of the high school league have to address how we're going to handle that because things have changed when people allow a, you know open enrollment to go wherever you choose to go to high school. So is it possible that a youngster who lives in Rock Hill could say, hey, I want to go to Catawba Ridge? For example, not in our district, not but our, let's no, say like okay. in a, um, in Greenville County, they have some open enrollments. Like Greenville High School is a charter school. I mean, as a, a um, for better terms, they can people can choose to go to school there. Right. Yeah. It's an a, a academy. Uh, cat, yeah. So, so therefore, they're a four A high school, but they're really drawing. They can have students come to them from three other high schools. Yeah. So if you added those three high schools enrollment together they would be probably bigger than the biggest high school in the state which goes to your point of not not everything is one size fits all for example greenville school district that's the entire county right where in your county there's four school districts in greenville county they're all the same so for example if you had somebody that went to wade hampton and all of a sudden they want to transfer uh to riverside or hillcrest they could do that they can do it and and so now you have where I think, and I, again, this is just my opinion, but I think from an administrative standpoint, the principals, the athletic directors, those folks, it's got to be near impossible to try to figure out how many's coming in the door, right? How many teachers you need, size of classrooms, because I, I've heard Dr. Epps, the superintendent, say over and over again, the, the size of the classroom matters. And they try to keep that as small as you don't want a college like environment where you go to uh, Mr. Morgan's class, for example, and you go in there for U.S. history and there's 50 kids in there. Right. I mean, you know, I think, yeah, it's been proven that the smaller the class size, the more effective the teaching that will take place in that classroom. Uh, and we do, you know, at our, in our district, I think they, they try to keep that between 25, right around 25. I know at our school, that's what they shoot for. Um yeah, and it's the same thing with that. I mean, you know, athletics is in the 32 years that I've been doing it now. It's just it has changed a lot. There's, um, you know, when I was growing up, every kid wanted to play for the town that they lived in. There was pride. You know, I grew up in York High in York. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little different situation in York because I grew up as a a cougar, a dragon, and a cardinal because we had three different. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the Which name is, York Comprehensive yeah, High School. Yeah, York Comprehensive High School. But, you know, if you grew up there, you wanted to play for that team. That's who, you, you know, you started as a five, six-year-old starting in Little League Baseball. You wanted to be, at that time, I wanted to be a York Cougar because that's what, that's what we were. Um, and now things have changed. It's, you know, uh, more people about every kid, they want to get a college scholarship. And, that's, and, and, and that should be a goal of them if that is a realistic goal. But – to be honest with you, when I was growing up and even when I first got into coaching, I don't think that a kid wanted to – the goal was to play on their high school team and win a state championship. Right, so they could go back and yes. look at that banner. They could look at the, the ring yeah. on their hand and say, hey, town pride, right. we did that. And, but I think that has changed now, and I think social media has played a big part in that. You know, uh, putting it out there, everybody wants to see, oh, this kid's signed here, he's got this offer, he's got that offer. Um it's just high school athletics has changed a ton in the 30-some years that I've been in it. I'll say this. Fort Mill High School winning so many state championships in a very uh, concentrated time, I learned something from y'all. 
the South Carolina Department of Transportation only allows you to have the last three state championships on it. On one thing, you can have three, but if you win another one, one of them's got to come down. As far as signage, as far as signage, signage, yeah. It's actually it can only be up there for one year. For one year, yeah. You can if you win six in one year, you can put six up there. You can, but you just can't. Yeah, they can only stay up there for one year. As you look behind you there. There's a couple of that have come down, and we're still trying to figure out. Cause and they will come take them down and bring them to me one year after putting them up. They'll bring them to you. So you just got to keep winning. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep winning them. But well, going, well, Coach Whitaker has about 400 kids running cross country, which is the, the state championship sign we're looking at. Yeah, that might get replaced in 2020. Yeah. But going back to in there. the open enrollment thing, it in a way for athletics, it kind of – creates super teams where you're limited to you know the kids that are enrolled in the fort mill high school district so to speak that the attendance zone for example like a greenville like we were talking about our riverside just thinking about cross country which is coming up you know states and everything you know they have the open enrollment so they can draw from you know three areas to kind of create super teams so that's kind of hard to compete with as well especially when you're going against the teams like riverside teams like greenville in in the playoffs because normally you wouldn't see them until playoff time right it is tough and, and you know like you're saying it um i think what it will event you know you have in those schools you are in those districts you have schools that are known for cross country so if I'm good runner cross country, I'm going to that school, you know, and that's, I think that's what's happening. A lot of, you know, they're all going, if I, they're good in basketball, they're going to go there to play basketball. If they're good in football, they're going there to play football. And I think it, uh, it's, it's all another form of specialization is what it, what it comes down to. And, and, and on that, there's a lot of conversation going on. I mean, even Chipper Jones, Hall of Famer with the Atlanta Braves, got on social media and, and opined on this, which is youngsters playing multiple sports. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, well, you should play just baseball or just football or just basketball. And basically what Chipper said was is he's got, I think, four sons, five sons, something like that. He wants them to play another sport. In fact, one of them is a lacrosse player, and he admitted openly he didn't know a doggone thing about lacrosse, but as a parent he was all in on learning what it was so he could support his child in that sport. It actually behooves a student-athlete to play multiple sports, doesn't it? Different coaching, different set of muscles, different rhythm. A lot of things are learned by that. Yeah, we try to encourage our kids to play multiple sports here, and I'm a I'm a believer in kids playing multiple sports. Um, I just like you said, I think it uh, overuse injuries in some sports where they're continuously playing the same sport, using the same muscles. I think uh, you know you see sports where kids have injuries that come from overuse, and if they're playing a different sport, they're utilizing different muscles, they're learning uh, different techniques that will make them a better athlete in the long run. Um, and plus, they're, you know, they get, they're, they just have an opportunity to be coached by someone new, hear something different. Uh, you know, I just, I just think it's great for kids. You know, I was fortunate enough to be at other high schools before coming here, and you know, Coach Jadavion Clowney, Coach Stephon Gilmore, and they were all multiple sport athletes that are now playing in NFL. Um, so it's not that it kept them from getting to what they their ultimate goal was. Uh, I just think it. I think it's great for kids to play, but but there is a lot of pressure, on, and I think that comes from 
social media, parents, outside influences of saying this is what you've got to do to get a college scholarship. But if you're good enough, they're going to find you. They'll find you. They'll you find you. Tiddlywinks High School and, and little and play multiple sports. Yeah. But if they'll, you're good enough in one, you. they're going to find you and, and offer you that scholarship. And that and especially in our district because we have such athletes that are such good, also academically very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, people call me all the time and say, "Hey, we know Fort Mill has kids that are going to be qualifiers. Do you have any kids that are worthy of this? You know, that can play." That you know, that should be we should be looking at for a boys' golf scholarship, for a girls' golf scholarship, for you know, you know, and, they, and boys' basketball, you know, and it may not be at it may not be at a Division One Power Five school. We have tons of kids here that sign college scholarships, not only at our school but at all three of our district high schools, and it's I think a lot of it is because they are so recruitable, primarily because not only are they good athletes but they're very good academically. I've talked to several college coaches mostly in the game of baseball but one of the first words out of their mouth is i don't want to have to worry about them academically that that almost seems like the last thing they want to have to worry about and i was talking to mr Bodie, uh, one of our school board members and, and i believe he said the rankings came out fort mill was seventh nafo was eighth catawba ridge was 14th this is academic standings in the state of south carolina so not only are these young people practicing hour after hour after hour but they're also hitting the books hour after hour after hour and somehow finding a way to do both. Yeah, I mean, you, and again, it's amazing. You know, I, when I do eligibility here at this place, it's amazing to me that the, um, you know, that's really when I look at, I sit down and look at grades from every kid that I'm putting in there, and I'm just amazed every time I do it. Um, you know, I've been doing it now for 13 years, and I think in 13 years we've had four kids that were ineligible because of academics in 13 years here at Fort Mill High School, which is absolutely amazing. And, you know, most of them I look down to. I always like to look at class rank. Most of them are in the top 25% of their class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, it's just – and, again, uh, Fort Mill High School is an amazing place, but not only Fort Mill High School, this whole district is amazing. Yeah. Uh, we have – we're – you know, it's a great place to work. We have three fantastic high schools with great leaders at all three of the high schools. Um, I'm sure, you know, Catawba Ridge is in the – looking for a principal, but I'm sure they'll hire a good leader. Um, so, I mean, it's a great place to be. That's why sometimes I get aggravated when I don't see people come out and support these student athletes. We, you know, we have gr- good crowds, but I'd like to see us have great crowds. Not so much from the student section, but there needs to be – I'd like to see more people out watching because mm-hmm. these are true – these are st- true student athletes. Like you said, John, they're going to school every day. Then they go to practice. Then they go home, do more work. They get up and do it the next day. And most of them, where they're doing it to try to earn a college scholarship or they're doing it for the love of the game, or they're doing it for some reason, but they are, you know, it's, it's, it's just amazing to me what some of our students are able to do in athletics. And not all sports you have to pay to get in. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. People don't don't realize that. They're like, oh, I want to go, but it, it costs nine bucks. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Find out. Yeah. It, it's, it's, and you can be entertained while also showing support. Yes. You know, and I, and I think our kids, you know, our kids – they get excited the more people that are there. Of course, everybody wants to play in front of big crowds. And, and you know, and most of our, our teams do. But, you know, I'm talking about, like, the tennises and the uh, the golf team. I mean, we have amazing athletes that run cross country. Mm-hmm. And we do, you know, most of, we have 
people that come out and watch cross-country meets, but more people need to come out and watch. It's, I mean, there's some really committed kids to doing what they do, and they're really good at it. Uh, great coaching staff. I just like to see our community buy into more of those type of sports and support them. Great point. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I mean, and it goes back to the academic thing, but, you know, obviously the academic standards in the district are, are high, and the more academic money you can get, you know, it, it also is not as much athletic money, but you still have that. So I know there's a lot of student athletes who get splits as far as scholarships. Some, some money falls for academics, but some falls for athletics yeah, as well. Yeah. So. I don't think a lot of people understand, Mac, but what you're exactly what you're talking about is because a lot of people say, well, uh, that kid got a scholarship to play basketball at so-and-so. Well, they may not have gotten a full scholarship, but they received some funding. Right. Some of it's probably from their academic side, and that's that is what you're talking. About. That that's why we are we have such recruitable kids because they can then use that money that they don't have. You know, they can split that money and get another athlete. So it right. it is good. Well, it's for instance like a baseball program. They're only allotted what eight total scholarships, scholarships. in Division One, so they have to balance that out. And a lot of that money for a lot of those guys will get it from the academic side. Yeah, actually, this just I read something yesterday. It's eleven point seven scholarships for baseball power five baseball program i'm like how on the sam hill do you get 0.7 of a scholarship well that's where where the splitting comes in at but but looking at raw numbers if you look at a south carolina gamecock baseball team or or, or clemson or georgia or something like that you're talking about 35 to 40 players and there's basically 11 and a half scholarships that's a tough road to hoe it really is so it's and it's a really competitive field yes but yet you see young people from all three high schools signing on to be volleyball players, basketball players, baseball players. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, football, for example, you got Gannon Bird. He's a Florida Gator. Uh, they're they're kind of singing the blues right now after what happened yesterday against Kentucky. But nonetheless, the point is, is that you have these players that are going on to do great things. I think uh, one of your former players is there too. Travel. Uh, Big Herm. Yeah, Jordan Herm. Jordan Herm. Jordan Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, right before I left here today, I was watching the, the young lady that played at Nation Ford last year on the Volleyball. University of Florida was playing Martin. South Carolina. To, they were on the Andy SEC Martin. network, and I was flipping right. through there and saw her playing. So, I mean, there's there's not a time that you – I mean, you can turn on your TV and watch college athletics, and you, you know, there's a good chance you'll see somebody from one of our three high schools participating if you watch it long enough. Yeah, 100%. Well, Coach, we really appreciate your time. You you have been fantastic, and we really appreciate it. We know you're a busy man. You talked about all day and all night, but we appreciate all that you do for these student athletes and the coaches and the community as a whole. Um, it it basically speaks for itself. Well, I appreciate y'all allowing me to come on here and uh, spend some time with you, and I appreciate what you three do, taking your time to do this every week, and uh, you know, giving our kids some recognition and. Uh, getting their names out there and talking about what good things are going on at, at, at our, all three of our high schools. And a round of applause, not only for the athletic director of Fort Mill High School, but the all-time winningest coach in men's basketball history of the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets, yes, Mr. Indeed. Dwayne Hartso. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Coach, for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thank Coach. Going to move on into uh, some final scores that took place uh, last week, gentlemen, and uh, really a lot to talk about between the three high schools. A lot of sports going on. There's cross-country to talk about. There's swim meets to talk about. The golf. Uh, Going to start with volleyball. 
Um, on the girls' side, there was a match this week that was a Milltown showdown as Nation Ford, Craig Brown, and his troops uh, came into the Hive to battle uh, Coach Michaela McCrory and, and her uh, Fort Mill Yellow Jackets. Really good teams going nose to nose. And Keith, I know this is a matchup near and dear to your heart. Uh, the, the JV sets, both of them were close, but NAFO won both of them. 25-22. Sorry if I'm stealing your thunder a little bit. No, uh, you look at varsity. Uh, Fortman won the first set 25-19, to but that was about as good as it gets. And, and Coach Craig Brown talked about what it needed, what needed to happen in order to turn his Falcons around. Right, and the intensity is what they needed most, and they had to make sure that they get the – you know, the, what Frank Garcia used to say about the about football players is get the bees out of their helmets. And so they took that punch in the first set, and then they had to kind of regroup, and Coach Craig Brown had to make sure that they were kind of on the same wavelength. And, boy, were they taking the next three sets to take that that match from Fort Mill. And with that, they, they're kind of in the driver's seat in Region 3. They need to defeat Rock Hill this coming week which will be a daunting task for sure, but it's certainly doable. The game is at home. Both games for the girls' volleyball are at home. Blythewood on Tuesday and Rock Hill on Thursday. And then just after having to beat the crosstown rival Yellow Jackets, they had to get back up for Clover coming to town, and Clover's been a thorn in their side throughout the last few years anyway. Another tight match, the the Falcons – end up coming away with that one three to two so as i mentioned before they are kind of in the driver's seat to take the region right now they're 18 and 7 overall and i didn't realize how many matches these volleyball girls play mm -hmm. but also five and one in the region so that bodes well going into a kind of control your own destiny type situation for the falcons and girls volleyball and just so everybody knows, um, in girls volleyball, Region 3-5A, the standings, and uh, Keith, per usual, you're all over at Rock Hill 5-1, and one, Nation Ford 5-1, and one, Fort Mill sitting at 3-3, three and three, Clover 2-3, and three, Blythewood 2-4, and four, and then the Spring Valley Vikings 0-5 oh, in region play. I have heard a couple of rumors that the league might let five get in, that fifth team could be in at large right now that would be the Blythewood Bengals if that's the case that is fantastic news if you are a Nation Ford fan or Fort Mill fan because that means basically you're in yeah and I talked to Craig Brown a little bit at the uh, NAFO football game and he and I was asking him because some years is four some years is five it's just you know it I, I wish they would pick one and stick to it so we know but um yeah he said five from region three five a so you know, five out of six teams getting in, and they've done that for the past couple of years. I know um, in girls basketball last year, I think, uh, Fort Mill played Spring Valley one week and then turned around and had to play them again in the playoffs in the first round yep. the next week. So yep. it's yep. kind of weird, uh, but at least you're somewhat familiar with your opponent. So if that happens, but, uh, yeah, they should be five this year for sure. So basically the battle would be, if you're the Rock Hill Bearcats and the Nation Ford Falcons, you're looking at a home court advantage, so to speak. You're going to be in that upper echelon in the seedings. If you're Fort Mill, and it looks like you're going to go on the road. And if you're in that middle pack, usually that number three from Region 35A, you're going to get matched up with in number Greenville. two. Right, somebody from Greenville, a number two or a number three from Region 2 or Region 1 uh, in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, 
just to let you know where the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets are at the moment. Um, their week, they did lose to Nation Ford at home. Went on the road the next night um, in another Milltown showdown. They defeated Catawba Ridge in what was an absolute knockdown dragout fight. Uh, three to two was the final. Then had to go on the road against a scrappy Blythewood team, but found a way to get past them. Uh, three to two. Uh, so that means that Fort Mill sits at 13 and five overall, three and three in Region 3-5A. Uh, this week, it doesn't get any easier for Coach McCrory and her team. Monday night at Northwestern, and then Tuesday night at Rock Hill, and then Thursday night at home against the Spring Valley Vikings. So it it just seems to get tougher as it goes along, not pick the other poison. way around. Pick your po- I said pick your poison. And Blythewood, Blythewood's the only team to defeat Rock Hill so far this season in Region 3-5A, so they're not exactly the easiest team to no. to to play against. And NAFO's got a big match this week against Rock Hill. Right. So that, at home. Yeah, at home. So that should be that and, should be huge for region, you know, title implications. Yeah, 100%. And, and we talked about Coach Cindy Elder and, and how she was just basically – she's a legend. Right. Uh, what she did at Rock Hill High School, that's Hall of Fame type stuff. The Bearcats did kind of take a step back, but hey, big ups to Ashley Williams, um, the head coach of the Bearcats now. She's kind of reinstalled that and made it a new age kind of thing. Rock Hill Bearcats right there back on the map where they've been what seems like forever, uh, most of our lives anyway. Uh, Boys volleyball for Fort Mill. Uh, Again, it's kind of like their season really. Uh, The fellas uh, on Monday night, they had to go to South Point. They defeated the Stallions 3-zip. They played uh, at home to Rock Hill and took care of business pretty easily in that one, uh, to be honest. The first set, Fort Mill won at 25-8, won the second set 25-17, and then the third set 25-18. Uh, and then on Thursday, though, something a, a, a little – another one right to the chops is two steps forward and one step back. They go to Indian land uh, and get shut out, three sets to none. So uh, Coach uh, – Martin, her team is now eight, nine, and two overall. But in region play, the way it's the way it's listed on Max Preps in region play, they're five and zero. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing for them. Again, not all regions have or all volleyball teams are in you know local regions because you know um, Spring Valley doesn't have one, Blythewood doesn't have one in regards to uh, boys volleyball. Right. But you know that is that is big for Fort Mill again being a first year program and everything. Um, kind of moving over to Catawba Ridge, they had one match this week uh, again against Indian Land. They won three zero, so they are now fifteen seven and one for the boys. Mm. Um, the Catawba Ridge girls uh, they are twelve seven and three, but more importantly they are eight and zero in region. They've got. Two region matches coming up this week to finish things off. Uh, one against Nation Ford, or not Nation Ford, Northwestern. Too many ends, and the uh, other one against Indian Land, both of which they've beat earlier in the year. So pretty much, if they, not real sure exactly how the region stands right there. They are leading it, but as far as two and three, they can pretty much obviously lock things up this week. Um, beating either one of those, so it shouldn't be. Too much of an issue. Even if they dropped both matches, they'll pretty much wrap it up because, um, 
York is second, Northwestern's third. They've both got five and three records, so they're kind of tied for second. Um, so they should wrap things up this week region-wise. And uh, they played at the Eastside Tournament this week. They went 2-1-3 and three with uh, three ties. So that's where the three mm. came in. It's, they hadn't had tied any matches up until this weekend. So, um, But they did beat uh, Eastside, and they tied Eastside also. So Eastside may be a team they see in the future in the playoffs. So um, it'd be in their home tournament. They uh, they did pretty good. So CR girls volleyball twelve seven and three, and um, Coach Lacey, the male version, Mr. Lacey, uh, is 15, 15, 7 and one. So he's got a three game advantage over his wife. Hmm. Hmm. So I don't know if that puts him in the doghouse or not. I'm going to tell you what. I hope he enjoys this moment in the sun because she's coming for him. She's coming for him. And her players are coming for him, too, because that's – That's enough motivation. uh, Coach Alicia Lisi, that is one – she's as friendly as the day is long, but she is competitive. And when that ball's in the air, look out. She's coming for you, and so is her team. So, uh, again, tip of the cap to the Copperheads uh, for that. Um, Do want to touch on cheer for just a second. There was a cheer competition – at, at Nation Ford, um, I'm going to take partial blame for the fact the sound system didn't work the way it's supposed to. I shame, worked shame. On, I worked on that for about an hour with Coach Brown. We really hit it hard. Really thought when we left that it was all set up and everything was on the up and up. And then I found out after the fact that uh, some phones weren't working and things like that. So we're going to try to get that all worked out because – what we want to have happen is no matter what the high school is in this town, we want other people to come in and somebody's putting on a show. Uh, so I, I, my apologies to David Johnson and to, um, to the, the cheer coach of Nation Ford. I met her, but I'm terrible with names, but she was a really uh, friendly lady there. So um, I know JV Fort Mill won it. I think the varsity finished fifth, but fifth, I'm not sure where right. NAFO landed on that. Not sure either. I do believe Blythewood uh, won the varsity version. So, um, again, they're kind of getting geared up for the main thing, states. So, um, you know, they've got some pretty good competition. So, it should be interesting to see how things work on outcome November. And and just jump – I know we're jumping around a little bit, but just to finish the the thought on volleyball, I meant to say this a minute ago. This is the last – this week and next week. That's it for the regular season for volleyball. Correct. And then it's go time. It's playoff time. It's survive and advance or you lose and go home. So um, switch over to to golf. Mother Nature finally cut us some slack. Uh, we had a week where there wasn't uh, a torrential downpour or tropical depression or some such stuff. And, uh, again, some of these scores these young ladies are putting up, are, I don't know how they're doing it because these courses are hard. Yeah, they are pretty hard. Um I know this week, Catubridge and Fort Mill kind of squared off at Fort Mill, or at Fort Mill Golf Club, which is the home of Catawba Ridge. Um, Fort Mill girls beat Catawba Ridge girls 185-194. Um, and then Nation Ford played. They uh, won in a try match against Rock Hill and Blythewood. Um, and then them and Fort Mill also played in the uh, Harold Varner uh, the third foundation tournament, which is something that 
they've been playing at recently in the past couple of years. That was in Gaston County. Fort Mill finished, if I'm not mistaken, eighth. And then um, NAFO was 10th. So, and then, so it's been a pretty good week for the golf teams. Um, along with, you know, falling to Fort Mill, they beat, Catawba Bridge beat York. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're putting up some pretty good scores. And their regular season is about yeah, to. Yeah, their regular season is coming basically to an end. They've got the golf version of the Middletown Showdown on uh, Monday, October 2nd at Fort Mill Golf Club. Um, so they'll be doing that, and then there'll be anything that they need to make up. They'll be making that up this week. And then the region tournament uh, is at Chester on not this Monday, but the next Monday, which I think is the 8th. Ninth, um, maybe. Ninth, maybe. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if I can do math. Yeah, the ninth. So we're journalists. We don't do math. So that should be able to do the that. Engineers. Then, um, and so yeah, so you know, you got to finish well in your region competition, qualify for upper states, so on and so forth. So the next four Mondays, basically the month of October, is going to be pretty important for the golf teams here locally. Yeah, and best of luck to all three of them. Uh, go get them. It sounds like going to be beaten up on each other, which is a little unfortunate. But the flip side of that coin is is that it makes you a little more razor sharp. So when you get to the postseason, you're already chiseled. You're ready to go because you've already been beaten or you've beaten somebody else in, in what is a close match. I do want to tell you something funny really quickly. I went to a wedding last night which was the most extravagant wedding I have ever been to in my entire life. Who got hitched? Um, my wife's co-worker. She's a director at Spectrum. Gorgeous lady. Brilliant as the day is long. She's a director of a call center there. Her and her um, better or lesser half, if you want to call them that, because if you've been married for five minutes, we all know the guys are the lesser half. Let's just be honest about it. Where I'm going with it is, is I was standing in line. I didn't know a soul at this wedding. Nobody. But me, I just walk in a room, sit down, find somebody to talk to. There it is. Somebody's like, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm a broadcaster and journalist. And they're like, why? And I was like, because I'm not qualified to do anything else. I'm not smart (laughs) enough. (laughs) So if you want to know the reason why we're on a podcast, because we're really not qualified or smart enough to do anything else. They don't trust heavy machinery with us. No, I I wouldn't either. I was even telling my wife this morning, I said, who else would let three knuckleheads like us be on the air to do a podcast? There you go. They're just hoping we don't burn the place down on our way out (laughs) the door, for crying out loud. But but anyway, I'll put it to you this way. This wedding, the food, there was an open bar that was premium stuff. So Where was it at? It was at the Lexington Country Club. Oh, you had to drive all the way down there? Yes, but here's the thing, and this is the final piece of the story. It's the first time I've ever seen a bride sing and dance her way down the aisle. It's the first time I've ever seen the Imperial March being played as they exited the aisle. As in Star Wars? Star Wars. And then the quote-unquote first dance was a lightsaber showdown between husband and wife. And the victim in all of that ended up being one of the chandeliers inside the room because oh. one of those lightsabers went and snapped it. Really? Oh, yeah. That's going to be a more expensive wedding than was planned. Four hours went by like, bang. I mean, it, this was, I was like, heck yeah. And again, I didn't know a soul, but that was a great time. 
<laughs> so I've got a hangover just thinking about just it. Just thinking about it, yeah. You know, and they had this. Yeah, I thought about you. They had this Luke Skywalker. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course, they had this Luke Skywalker drink, and it was green. So I don't know if it was like Midori or whatever else, but people could not get enough of it. They were just putting that stuff out left and right. It was crazy. No wonder the chandelier went crack. Right. This is the the rumor. The rumor floating around the room was they had spent somewhere around sixty grand for this thing. Holy smokes! And let me tell you something. When I tell you they didn't share Skip. any expense, no. everybody who came to the wedding at the uh, inside uh, the ballroom, they had little gold. It was plastic, but gold, and your your name was in cursive on your plate where wow. you're supposed to wow. sit. Well, this was detailed, but the, my wife somehow got roped into this, and she showed me what the invitation looked like. And normally at a wedding, I'm like, "Oh heck no!" But this one, you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." That's I'm hoping they get married again next Saturday. Right? Do this yeah. Again. See, the weddings I go to involve shotguns and a lot of dip, so I don't. Yes. Yeah. Well, see, that's oh. what I'm used to. <laughs> so then I go to one that's really fancy, you know, and I don't know how to act. It's weird. It's very strange. Anyway, back back to athletics, a little little side. To, but the only thing I did, I did opine and I did complain, why do people get married during football season? I don't understand this phenomenon. Don't do it. We did. See? I did. See? They invited 260 people and 130 showed up. You know, you want to know why? Because the other 130 were at the football College game. football. Yeah. The Gamecocks were um, were at Tennessee, and Clemson was at Syracuse, so their butt was in a seat somewhere watching college football. Yep. Uh, so that is that's is what it is. So, Mac, what sport are we going to pick on next here? Uh, well, tennis is doing well. Uh, both NAFO and uh, – well, all three of them, actually. NAFO, Fort Mill, and CR are doing well. CR, um, they're 7-3, and 6-1 in the region – they did lose a tough match region-wise to Indianland, four to three. They bounced back and beat uh, Northwestern, six zero. So at least you know they they've got they're still in the hunt. Um, Indianland's got the region lead right now. So if if they can steal the second matchup between uh, those two schools, then they can at least be tied for the region title and have a co-region champion. Um, Fort William NAFO, they're battling it out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's doing pretty well. Fort Mill had three wins, three matches this week. They're now four and four overall in the region and seven and five overall. Um, they beat Rock Hill 5 1, they beat York 6 0, and they beat Spring Valley 4 2. So, one of my baseball players, Jacob Neff, was uh, in the facility on Monday and he says, Well, I got to go. Well, where are you going? Got to go to my sister's tennis match. So his sister plays Bella for, yep. for NAFO. And She's the number one player. She yep. is number one. And it's they, just in. She's really good. She is good. And they had four matches this week as well. Beat Catawba Ridge 6 nothing. And the funny thing was that I heard a Catawba Ridge player as she was leaving the tennis courts the other day, and, she, and the dad looked at her and said, well, that was a nice practice today, wasn't it? Ouch. Losing that was oh, a, ooh, and, boy. And by the way, that's not some poor sappy Catawba Ridge team. No, not they at all. They were I think at one point six and zero on the yep. year. Yeah. So that yeah. They're good. Marinate for a second. They're, they're right. good, yeah. Then they lost to Blythewood the next day on Tuesday, four to two, which everybody's doing this year. Came back and beat uh Catholic eight to one and then Rock Hill six to nothing. So a successful week for girls tennis at 
nation forward. Yeah, and then swimming, um, Fort Mill, Catawba Ridge, and Nafar Wall participated in the Fort Mill fallout. Uh, your results are Fort Mill 1, um, NAFO finished second, and then Catawba Ridge finished third. It basically, again, both. Yeah, yeah, it's basically, again, like the like the Milltown showdown. They call it the Fort Mill fallout. You know, so it's, it's your water sports versus your land sports. Um, Fort Mill is heavy favored going into region, which is, um, again. It's this week, isn't it? Yes, it is this coming Saturday, October seventh. See, I can't. You know, I got a calendar app. But, you know, it's the <laughs> whole reading. Back to math. It's the whole reading part. So October seventh is both the Region Three Five A meet, and then the after that the Region Three Four A meet. Uh, they're both on the same day. Um, you know, they're they're at the Fort Mill Aquatic Center. So look for good things from Fort Mill. Uh, they'll probably win it. Um, Nation Ford will probably finish second, and then everybody else is uh, just picking up the pool toys that went to the bottom of the pool. <laughs> there was senior night for Fort Mill this week. Yes, there was senior that. night. There was a lot. Uh, I think there was eight or nine people that um, were honored for Fort Mill for senior night, uh, one of them being, um, and I hate to name one, but she's she's kind of head and shoulders and above other swimmers, and she's um, – has done very well and is doing very well. Olivia Corby, um, she's kind of the, I don't want to say leader, but she's she's kind of helped the team last year win the uh, state title for the girls, and, and she won, I think, two individual titles last year. So, um, you know, she kind of gets her, her special recognition, and rightfully so, but not to take any way, thing away from the other seniors. But um, they did have senior night for the Fort Mill Swimmers. And, again, the uh, state meet is October 14th for the girls, October 16th for the boys. Again, Fort Mill is heavy favored. They'll have to deal with teams like Wando and and stuff like that because we don't hear much about Wando until you're in the thick of things and you're in the Keith middle of a Cook's dog favorite great. team. Yeah, oh, Keith boy. Cook's favorite Come team. On. My brother-in-law went to school there, so uh, what do I say? What, what did Chris Rock say? Mama said, don't say hate, I'm saying. There's that school again, Wanda. School again, and then there was then and then there was football Friday. Then there was football. Um, so we've all had quote unquote real jobs. Obviously, this one isn't. Uh, I don't really know if you could consider journalism, but we try the best we can. Um, Keith is probably the most talented of the three of us. Um, I smell the best though. Who said yeah. that? I did. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going with it. I can't prove it, <laughs> I but I'm going to go with it. But where I'm going with it is sometimes you have a, a a bad day at the office, and then sometimes you feel like you you left the, the your keypad your keypad don't work to and, get in the building, and it and your rear end hurts, and you don't know why, and you're driving home, and everybody's cutting you off. It's just one of those days. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, Friday night was one of those days. Welcome to Region Play, and it wasn't just one school; it was all three, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to start with Catawba Ridge, the Copperheads, uh, against the South Point Stallions. The Stallions had one thing on their mind. That was revenge from last year. Uh, final score, I believe, was 34. 30, 31 to 3. 31-3. However, however, that game was, what, 14-3? to 3 It was it for was a while. Yeah, it was close in the first half. Um, 
Catabra just struggled out of the out of the locker room in the second half, and they started slow, and it it, it didn't get any better from there. You know, South Point's one of those teams that you know they they don't sneak up on anybody, so you know what to expect, mm-hmm. but knowing what to expect and then actually stopping it is two different things. So, yeah, it was just one of those things that they couldn't get things moving out of the locker room in the second half. And, you know, despite trying, despite getting down there and and threatening a couple times, it was just one of those things where they were unable to score. And, and, you know, they were able to move the ball, but they can't – it got to a point where – Defensively, they were just having stop, trouble stopping South Point and then offensively getting in the end zone. And it seemed that way, I guess, with all three local schools. The outtakes, again, we talked about those a lot, but I really wish y'all could hear some of them. We talked to Coach Zach Lindak, and, and what he, he mentioned that. He mentioned the football field in thirds, and he's talking about the red zone and finishing. He kept using the word finishing over and over and over again, and that just seems like Catawba Ridge is doing everything they need to do between the 20s, but when it comes money time, so to speak, um, it's just not clicking for whatever reason. It seems like to me the defense is good enough. Special teams is there. It's just getting that offense to get over the hump, find itself, get that identity, and, and get rolling. And they had two big injuries in the first half, which has kind of been their yeah. their bugaboos. Two huge players. Yeah, huge uh, players. Isaiah Mister and Jackson Berger both went down with injuries in the first half. And you know, if you look back at the Fort Mill game, their very first game of the year, you know, you had you know you had Shelton Crawford like injured in the first quarter, yep. and it seems like every game. Another key player goes down with this or that or some type of injury, and it, it it's getting to the point where it's, you know, you look around, you look down the bench, and there's a reason you have your first string and second string, and it's, you know, there's old this whole coach saying, you know, next man up, but, you know, you're getting to the point where there ain't many more people left on the bench as far as, you know, stepping in because so many people are injured, and it's it's killing any type of momentum that Catawba Ridge is trying to get. Not to get too far into the weeds with with football and, and how it all goes about, but that's a huge point because, for example, if you went into fall camp and you're a free safety, right, or, or you're that, that spur position or that basically that linebacker or that secondary rover, player yeah. that can rove, yeah, and that's what you've been working on, that's what you've trained to do for basically the last two months, and then all of a sudden an injury happens, and now all of a sudden you have to move to corner. Mm-hmm. Well, that might seem like an easy switch. It ain't. Right. It's just not. There's different techniques. There's different things, different disciplines. It's different, and it's not an excuse. But it is something that I don't think a lot of people realize. You can't just plug and play. It doesn't work that way. Not it, with football. No. If you get to that second string and all of a sudden now you're on the third string – there's there's usually a, a dip in ability, and that's yeah, not knocking anybody. Yep. But at the same time, you're also probably asking somebody to play out of position, and it's getting to the point with Coach Lindak, he's got multiple like well, that. Well, we've seen things in the NFL where, you know, you got your starting quarterback and then your backup quarterback, and then the, even the third guy goes down, and now you're forced to put a running back at quarterback or whatever to basically run the wildcat or run some type of offense that – 
that guy's not throwing it. I mean, unless it's like a trick play or a specially designed play, that guy's not throwing it. So, I mean, you know, they're down to two quarterbacks now where they, they kind of had three, you know, one one transferred. So, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where I don't want to say snake bit, but it's it's gotten to the point where it's a struggle to keep people healthy and it's nobody's fault. It just is what it is. But we all know Zach Lindak personally, and one thing is for doggone sure, he's going to keep that smile on his face, and his coaching staff is going to continue to grind and scratch and claw with the youngins they have and try to get – they just – to me, we talked about it before we went on the air tonight. They find a way to get past Lancaster and get another region win, they're in the postseason. Yeah. And that's really what you're – that's what you're fighting for right now. Yeah, and they got York this week. Yeah, they'll eventually – they can beat York. They got to – it goes back to the start. You got to get off to a good start. So you're either hanging with your opponent or you're ahead of your opponent, and you got to get off to a good start in the third quarter as well. Well, the the secret sauce to beating uh, Dr. Dean Boyd in the Clover, or excuse me, the, the York Cougars, is Guthrie and Davis. Stop those two if you can. I don't think you can stop them, but you hope to contain them so to speak, an old ESPN reference there. But where I'm going with that is if you can kind of slow them down a little bit so they don't have all that time of possession, I think you're right, Mac. I think Catawba Ridge, if they punch them in the face early, mm-hmm. put up an early score, even if it's a field goal, and all of a sudden York's like, okay, this is for real now. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know the extent of the injuries to the Mr. or Berger, but it's just one of those things where, you know, the healthier you are, the more likely, you know, your your things are going to go your way. So, and they're very talented youngsters. We want to see them play. Yeah, the fans. Want and to I see know them they play. want to play. So. And they worked their rear ends off so they can play on Friday night and wear that helmet and jersey. We want to see them play. So, all the best and hope they get better soon. And, and Coach Lindak hopefully can see maybe some something of the Nation Ford York game where they did contain Davis for most of the game, mm-hmm. and maybe see a way to exploit that and use it to their advantage on next Friday night. That's a great point, Keith. Absolutely. And uh, that's a great transition uh, to the Nation Ford Falcons. I believe it was their first region game of the year as they welcomed the Clover Blue Eagles and with a new coach, right, for Clover. Didn't get off to exactly the best start in the world. But, boy, howdy, has Clover found its mojo. Um, I really had high hopes for Nation Ford in this game. I felt like if the offense could just keep the ball, keep that – explosive clover offense on the sidelines the falcons could find a way uh to steal one there but it just didn't happen and and early on it was a sign of things to come it was and i talked with a lot of the players over the course of the week and they were very fired up about it it's homecoming at nation ford they really felt like they had a good opportunity to to take clover out of its game but unfortunately like how things went with catawba ridge they just they they could get it between the twenties, but then once they got it into that red zone, that's when things started failing. Uh, Caden Barnett threw an interception in the end zone, trying to find Josh Mayo and find a little bit of magic, and they just could not get anything going offensively. Defensively, I think they probably played well enough to be able to win if their offense was uh, a little more capable that night. I mean, Barnett went 15 for 25, so 60 percent. It's not bad. 155 yards. He did have a couple of interceptions, and Josh Mayo on a wildcat play, he also threw an interception. So a lot of turnovers for the Falcons. 
White rushed for 63 yards on 18 carries, and he's been very consistent with them all year long. But unfortunately, the Falcons, they just couldn't get anything offensively, and they're going to have to turn right back around and face the Blythewood Bengals uh, on Thursday night, actually. Special Thursday night football game down at Blythewood this week. So uh, Falcons now 2-4 and four on the season, 0-1 in the region. Saturday night uh, live reference? Yes. Isn't that special? Yes, it is special. <laughs> so, so hopefully the Falcons can can get back up uh, off the deck and even their region record at one and one this Friday or Thursday. Pardon me. It's just so rare that you see a David Johnson offense not be able to punch it in, and you know he's dialing up everything in his playbook to try to put those youngins in a, in a the spot to succeed and. Uh, it's got to just be frustrating, but I can tell you this, and you're right, and I agree with you 100%. Come next Friday or Thursday night, they'll be ready to go. But that transitions to Blythewood against Fort Mill. And if Nation Ford watched that film, uh, probably sweating a little bit. Uh, Blythewood came into the hive on Hawaiian night, uh, tried to play a little Hawaiian music, but it failed miserably. Aloha. Uh, aloha means hello and goodbye, and apparently it meant goodbye because it's doing a terrible job. That guy should be fired. That's me. I'm going to see my way out. Blythewood blitzed early and often, and I actually think I saw a couple of uh, parents coming on a blitz. Uh, I thought some of the band members might have been in there. The band band is on the field. The band is on the field. They brought the house, and it was early and often, and they were getting to Quinn Kelly, a young man named Ed Robinson. Um, I had him for five sacks by himself. I had double sacks in the game for Is the Blythewood Bengals. Is that Mrs. Robinson's son? Pardon? Is that Mrs. Robinson's son? Maybe. I want to ask Paul Simon. Mrs. Robinson. Robinson. And Mr. Garfunkel. Well, you if you're know, not old enough to know that, go look it up, folks. Google it. That's a great movie. Well, you know that if that's what they were doing against Fort Mill, they're going to be doing the same thing against NAFO. And that's where I'm going with it. Is And, and looking at film, the Blythewood came into the game two and three on the season, so you felt like, okay, not where they're normally at. Normally they come in 4-1, and 5-0, and oh, something like that. So you felt like, okay, if you can just kind of keep them at bay a little bit and get to that secondary, you could have success. Um, and I'll say this, Fort Mill tried. Uh, offense coordinator uh, John Leibel, he was, he was throwing caution to the wind. They took deep shots. They were trying to roll the pocket, get him out there. It was 7 and nothing Bengals for a long, long time. And then right near the end of the first half, uh, they punched one in, um, made it 14 to nothing, uh, Bengals, and you felt like, okay, where does Fort Mill stand now? Because Coach McNeely had, I think, two timeouts in his pocket and about a buck 58 on the clock. You know, you just got punched in the face. It's 14 nothing. It's two possession game. A lot of people feel like, all right, well, let's just let's just kind of regroup at halftime. No, 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 no. Coach Libel's like, we're gonna keep taking shots and doggone it. Braylon Thomas, 59-yard touchdown uh, with under a minute to play. Put Fort Mill right back in it, 14-7. Going into the second half, you felt like, okay, maybe that'll loosen that Blythewood defense up a little bit. No. It just it wasn't happening. Uh, Collins, I think his name is Landon Collins, quarterback for the Bengals. Uh, he is a tall drink of water. You get up on top of him, you realize that's a big youngster. Um he He's, could be a pitcher for the baseball team, actually. Uh, uh, he plays, the name sounds he, familiar. He is a baseball player for the Bengals. I think he's their first baseman, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's replacing Penfield um, at first base. But he really reminds me a lot of, of Barnett. He really does. Just that 
that tall youngster, those shoulders, that strength, and you get up on top of them, realize how strong they are. Um, he was a one-man wrecking crew. He kept the Bengals' offense on the field. The third quarter was really the the thing that told the tale. There was a long drive for the Bengals. I think it took up about half of the third quarter. They punched it in. Uh, the final score, I believe, was 30-7. to seven. Uh, So Fort Mill now 0-1 in region play, 1-5 and five, um, overall. Uh, does not get any easier. Uh, this week, here come the Rock Hill Bearcats for homecoming. 2023 so if you're a fort mill graduate and you'd like to come see homecoming that will be this friday night inside bob jones stadium now that's a rock hill bearcats team that just blanked spring valley 28 to nothing however not going to take anything away from bubba Pittman's team i'm a huge fan of bubba Pittman. i think he does a great job he's a great dude but spring valley's got they're down this year let's just call a spade a spade they're down they're down everywhere it seems. yeah so 28 to nothing was the final so the bearcats they're they're looking at this Friday night a little differently than Fort Mill is. Fort Mill is thinking, hey, let's get that first region win and then go from there. If Rock Hill can come into Fort Mill and beat the Yellow Jackets, they're in the playoffs. And then it's a battle of, okay, can we take a shot at Clover or do we finish second? But it could end up being a home game for the Rock Hill Bearcats if, if it plays out the way it might. Um but again, the Nation Ford Falcons have something to say about that. Obviously, Clover looks to be, let's be honest, they look like the class of, of Region 3 5A. Blythewood is probably second. Yeah, I was fixing to say, I think your, you know, region championship, for lack of a better term, is going to be Clover and Blythewood. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and then whoever wins that wins a region. And then you're playing for 2 3 4. Maybe five. I I don't know. So I was going to ask you about that. Have you heard any rumors about whether the league's going to let that fifth team come in? I have not. Um, I'm sure there's always an at large, which, as tough as Region Three Five A is, whoever finishes fifth, you know, could possibly should get, that, right? should get it, or if they apply, it's one of those things you have to apply for. Um, but I don't know if I don't know if there's a fifth team out of that region or if it's one of these things that you have to apply for the at large i haven't heard i haven't seen anything obviously it's early so there's not a lot of brackets out there um but in in years past it's feasible that there could be a fifth team and and where that plays into the equation for these coaches is okay well going in we thought okay four teams are going to get in you need two region victories now one might get you in if you're that fifth team, and you're right, Mac, Region 3-5A is not for the faint of heart, and that's not being a homer. That's just, just look around the upstate of South Carolina. It is what it is. Uh, and so Region 3-5A going to beat up on each other. But if you look down the road and you read the tea leaves, you see that a nation forward gets to play a Rock Hill. So you don't know how that's going to shake itself out. Who knows? NAFO could come in there and and take the scalp of the Blythewood Bengals. It's on a Thursday night. That's a little bit of an odd. It's a shorter week. Falcons could steal that one and, and turn the whole thing upside down. Where I'm going with it is, is now if you're a coach inside Region 35A, now you're like, okay, now we don't necessarily need two. If we can find a way to get to one, we might have a shot at it. Um, so if I'm them, that's what I'm looking at. Okay, so don't say we don't provide a service because we have breaking news. Um Looking at the high school league on their website, they do have for 5A football, 2023 class 5A football bracket, upper state, there is a region three number five. So, 
if that is what I'm looking at, if I'm reading it correctly, there's a region three one, region three two, region three four, and then there's a region three number five. So, so that looks like it might be the case. Yes, one win and you're in. One win, exactly. Well said. Well said. So if you look at Clover, Blythewood, they're in. Nation Ford. It could come down. Rock Hill. It could come down to, you know, hopefully. Fort Mill Rocket or Fort Mill Nafo. And yeah. really, really <clears throat> with the way things are going right now, you look at that. Uh, so Rock Hill, so Fort Mill then turns around and plays Spring Valley. That could be the winner of that game has a big shoe in on the other one. And the loser forward. is looking from the outside in. Yeah, and looking I can tell you. Because they are struggling offensively. And looking. a shot at them, just saying. Right, You right. look at the score so far, they're struggling the score. Looking mm-hmm. at the bracket now, the Region 3, number 3, whoever team that is, has a home game. Really? Region 3, number 4, is on the road. Region 3, number 5, obviously, is on the road. But Region 3, 1, Region 3, number 2, and Region 3, number 3, based on this bracket currently, um, has a home game. So your That's top three finisher it is. Is, is, you it know, is. so you're looking at Blythewood, you're Clover Blythewood. Rock Hill. Rock Hill possibly. Nation Ford possibly. Well, Fort Mill the, possibly. So the Bearcats already have one region victory. Right. Right. They get a second one, like you said. They're obviously. They're in. Yeah. They're obviously would be in. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And you keep looking down. I, I cannot help but look down the road to that last week in October, the Milltown Showdown. We've talked about it. We've opined about it. What will be the implications of that game? It's looking more and more like there's going to be a lot more on the line than bragging rights. It could be a playoff spot, but it also could be a home playoff game. Right. Correct. Yep. And that's where I'm going Which with would it. be, yep. you know – yeah, both Something teams might be in, but it might be that. that yeah, that I mean, it doesn't happen all, a lot for either team as far as NAFO or Fort Mill for right, having so, a home playoff game. So, Fort, so uh, the Nation Fort Falcons, they've been in the playoffs, is it 10 out of the last 11? Mm-hmm. Something gaudy like that. What Michael Allen does is phenomenal. I wish more people would recognize that for what he does and his staff does. Also, look at his coaching tree, by the way. Look at how many guys used to coach under him and look at where they're at now. That tells you all you need to know about Michael Allen, how good he is. And when your coaching tree looks like that, enough said. Where I'm going with it is with, with the Nation Ford Falcons is you look at their schedule moving forward and you realize, okay, it's not for the faint of heart, but if we can just find a way offensively to get that engine going, I think the Nation Ford defense is good enough to hold people down long enough, get in there, steal a victory, and then, again, you look down the road and you look at that Milltown showdown and you're thinking, holy smokes, somebody could upset the apple cart with that one. Right. And it very well could come down to that last weekend, that last Friday in October. Now, really quickly, was there – is there any – putting you on the spot, is there any breaking news from the standpoint of Region 3-4A? Because where I'm going with that is if Catawba Ridge now – because that's also a six-team region, is it not? So, did the league give someone a hall pass, so to speak? Right. So, the Region 3, number 4 team would be a 16th seed based on this bracket now. 
So whoever finishes fourth in Region 3-4A is a road team and will go and will be the 16th seed. To number one. To number one, which is coming out of Region 2, which I'm not sure exactly what that is, Region 2 is. Um, mm, is that Riverside or – it is the region that Riverside's in, Greenville. but it won't be the Warriors. Right, I mean, right. it could be Greenville. I think Greenville's Region 1, aren't they? I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure. But, but having said that, the Red Raiders took it on the chin Friday night. At home, by the way. So, again, if you want drama, high school football is filled with drama. It's a show every Friday night. And it's not just the game you're watching. I'll give you a case in point. I'm sitting up there in the press box working my rear end off, watching Blythewood and Fort Mill. But everybody in that press box is looking at scores across the area, and you're starting to put the puzzle together with each score that comes across. And it's just like reading this novel that just flows with chapter after chapter. In Region 3, 4A, there's only four teams coming out of there. So you're looking at Northwestern, South Point, Indian Land, York, York, Tiber Ridge, Lancaster, Catawba Ridge has a lot of work cut out for them to get that fourth spot. Indyland has a lot of work cut out. Obviously, I want It's bad to say it, but two spots are already locked for the most point. Yeah, they are. Unless unless South Point just completely derails. There's Northwestern or South Point, and then oh. it's it's a three team, really three team battle for two spots. For two spots, I would actually push back on that. I think that there are three spots taken. I think the Northwestern Trojans will be first. South Point Stallions will be second or York. third. And the York Cougars, mm-hmm. I think, as good as, again, not the best start for Dr. Dean Boyd, but you look at what he's done the last four weeks, and I'll just say it again. If you look at his resume when he went to Marlboro County, year three, four, and five, state championship material. The York Cougars can play. They're for real. But you still so got three right. teams battling Correct. for two spots. So you have the Catawba Ridge Copperheads, the Lancaster Bruins, and you have the Indian Land Warriors. Two of those are going to have their heart broken. It's basically yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, I, I, I may be going out on a limb here, but I don't see Lancaster qualifying. I don't see Lancaster getting in. So It's going to come down to Catawba Ridge and Indian Land. So that, that game. rivalry game between a Fort Mill school – and Indian land right. could it's, determine yeah, who's could, in and yeah, who's out. And I think that's October 20th at at the Snake Pit, at the pit. There. It's at the pit, Yeah, so. which is a big up for Catawba Ridge. Because yeah. let's be honest, if you've been to the new Indian land high school, that is an intimidating environment. <laughs> Holy yeah. smokes. Uh, those fans are on top of you, and they bring the noise. So, actually, that's a I think that's I mean, a could, big up for Catawba I mean, Ridge. It's, it's good that it's at Catawba Ridge, but we're not talking like – we're talking a 15-minute road trip. For Indian Land fans, I mean, I'm pretty sure they'll pack it out too. So, I don't know. Well, athletic director uh, Rick Lewis will be smiling all the way to the bank on that one. So, bring it on. We're yeah. still trying to work on him. He, You're right. We found Jimmy Hoffa, but we can't get Coach Lewis mm. on the podcast. We'll continue to work on that. And yes. We'll find we him wherever he may be. Um, but – a With lot a little of work, help of his friends. A little with a little help from our friend Zach Lindak. Um but a lot of work cut out for the Fort Mill schools. Yes, it was a bad day at the office, but don't let one game, one bad Friday night become a bad region season. There's no reason for that. These teams are better than that. They can come better than that and I think they will. Um like John Fox, head coach of the Panthers, famously said, sometimes you just pick a bad day to have a bad day. 
Um, or it is what it is. It is what it is. I'll, I'll give you case in point. We talk about how scores are not indicative of how a game went. Fort Mill got got beat 30-7, to right? The Jackets had two red zone visits in the first half, didn't score. They had three visits inside the Blythewood 25-yard line in the second half, didn't score. Their one touchdown was on a 59-yard bomb. If they pick up a field goal here or a touchdown there, at that point in time of the game, probably would have made it somewhere around 21-13, maybe even 21-17. Now you're talking to people are like, well, you're still losing. But that changes how people call plays and how they manage the game at that point. So, again, not indicative of of how maybe bad it might have seemed. You look at the scoreboard, there were chances. You talked about, uh, Keith, you talked about Nation Ford. They had chances. People look at it and they go, oh, they didn't do anything offensively. They did. It was just when it was money time, didn't get it done. And that it's a game of inches. And if you don't get it done inside the red zone, that's the difference between a win and a loss. Yeah, they. I mean, they amassed at least 250 yards of total offense, which you know that's good enough to put some points on the board for sure. Well, if you would have told offense coordinator John Lyle, Fort Miller, offense coordinator David Johnson, Nation Ford, if you would have said, "Hey, you're going to have 250 yards of offense. You're going to be fairly balanced. And you're going to have that many trips to the red zone." Yes, please. They take it every day of the week, twice on Sundays, because you feel confident that 75 percent of the time you're going to deliver points in some way, shape, or form. So true, but again, I don't want people thinking that it, it's it's all downhill. It's not. These three teams in the town of Fort Mill have a chance to go to the postseason. Uh, Nation Ford would continue their streak. Catawba Ridge would continue their streak, and Fort Mill could go to the playoffs. I think I might be wrong. It's off the top of my head. The first time since twenty seventeen. Correct. Okay. Uh, but again, off the top of my head, and I'm usually wrong. Just ask my wife. Um, so. But that would be great if all three teams could find a way to just get into the postseason and then all bets are off. Now you're playing with house money and let it all rip. But like Coach Hartso said, get out there and support these young men and women. They're putting on a show. They're really having um, – the fans are having a great time. And, again, you don't have to be a fan of these sports. You can have a great time without knowing a doggone thing about what's going on. It's just back and forth action. And, again, coming down to the nitty-gritty, you've got all three teams in the town basically playing each other. So uh, get out there and support these young, wonderful young men and women who really do work hard uh, to really put on the, their best foot forward. So um, we hope the best for all of them. Um, guys, anything you want to add here? Nothing I think no. of. No. I will end with this. I'm going on a little personal note here. Uh, Keith – there was, uh, I've told you before, my daughter, Claire, who's at the College of Charleston. She graduates May the 11th, 2024, at 4 p.m.-ish. <clears throat> no, I'm not worried about that date at all. What makes you think that? She's talking about three different schools for graduate school. And when she was born, there were two schools I told her she could not go to. The University of South Carolina and Keith Cook's beloved University of North Carolina. Well, you do realize... The Tar Heels. <clears throat> you do realize talking to an infant just out of the womb they're probably not understand what you're saying but promises are promises she looked at me with those blue eyes and she blinked i took that as a yes <laughs> anyway she one of the three schools that she's looking at and she really really loves what they're doing with their online stuff the north carolina tar heels so i might have to eat crow and put on a baby blue shirt oh boy well 
It'll probably fit you well. What in the world? Well, a lot what of my is the world coming to. A lot of my family went to Clemson, so I do have to put the orange on every now and then. So it's it. It's does it make not you? Bad, bad. Does it make you itch? Do you kind of feel mm. like? Oh, well, there are a lot of things that make me itch. Okay, so well, I, I doubt that that's it. This is not the podcast for that. A lot right. of my family went to State Penn, not Penn State. Not Penn State. State Penn. Very well said. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you you meant college? No, no, no. Not it's not very. The many, State uh, Penn. Literally. The yeah. State Penn. Oh. Yeah. And and by the way, in case you're wondering about the wallet, are the three school are any of the three schools in state? No, of course, of course not. not. Why would why, they be? Why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense. Um, so anyway, on a, on a personal note, there I might have to put on the baby blue. Oh, we'll welcome and, you with with open arms. Well, I hope so because I have talked a lot of trash about your school for basically the last we, we, twenty years. We can make up for that, you know, up on Franklin Street during okay. the game. So, so if I walk on the Franklin Street and I get on my hands and knees and I throw myself on the mercy of the Tar Hill. Uh, brethren and sisters, you're saying I might have a chance to you be You might forgiven. have a chance, and if I'm there with you, nobody's going to bother you. <laughs> I, well, I appreciate that. It's going to be the Jimmy Hoffa of Chapel Hill. I survived Keenan Stadium because of Keith Cook. Thank you, sir. I owe you my life. So uh, That's going to do it for us this week. Again, if you want to be on the podcast, please let us know. Thank you for listening. We talk to people every week, and they say, hey, we listen to it. Great job. We appreciate that. Thank you. If there's any way we can get better, please let us know. We want to get better. We want this to be fun and entertaining, but informative at the same time. And if there's something that you feel like we can do differently, we are all ears. Heck, we've taken advice. If you listen to our first podcast and now, it's not the same. So if you want to be on, let us know. Heck, you don't. You can be a politician. Come on the show. We're Mikasa Suka. Love all, serve all. Anything? No, Max, like, shut up. I can't. I've got so many directions to go, but I'm not going to. Not going to go there. Again, not the podcast for that. Uh, But we will cover the sports coming up this week. Again, getting down to the nitty-gritty. A lot on the line this week and next. Have a great time. Be safe doing it. But get out there. Support these wonderful players and coaches. And we appreciate your support of this podcast. That's going to do it for us. So on behalf of my boys, uh, Mac Banks, that's Keith Cook. I'm JT. We'll see you crazy kids next week for another edition of Mally Mill Towners. But until then, so long, everybody.